And let me just read the final greetings of the book of Ephesians on page 1160. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 21, where it says, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you, may, you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we, we praise you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus Christ, because you are the head of the church. Besides you, there is no other, no pope, no bishop, no preacher, no human being is head of this church. Christ alone is head of the church. We thank you, Lord, that you lead your church through the word, that you have given us the teaching of the apostles, not, not any apostolic succession, not any pastor or, or a celebrity figure, but, Lord, you've given us your word, the teaching of the apostles to lead your church. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning trying to cling closely to the word, Because we know that as we put our hands around the Bible and dig our fingers into the Bible and let the Bible sink into our minds as a church, that you, Lord Jesus Christ, will then lead your church. And so we pray, Lord, help us to understand your word more fully. Help us to be a people who are are zealous for Scripture, not because we want to fill our heads with a bunch of facts, but because we know that, that the Scriptures are the swaddling clothes of Christ. And that as we open up the pages of Scripture, we find the Lord of the church leading and directing us through the Word and the Spirit. And so, Lord, as we look into your Word now, we pray that you'd lead us, that you would direct us. God, uh, we we come from so many different places this morning. Some of us here are uh, coming from difficult times in our lives. Some of us here uh, have been wayward this week from you, have not been obedient. Some of us here have questions. Wherever we're coming from, Lord, I pray that we might all arrive at the same destination, which is to sit at your feet and have you teach and instruct us from your Word and through your Spirit. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of the church and Lord of the nations, we ask that you, we might have an audience with you this morning, that you might speak with us and meet with us now through the word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And so, after long, long, long months, we finally come to the end of Ephesians, if you can imagine that. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time this Sunday, we're, we're really glad that you're here. But you should know you've come on an interesting Sunday because this is the very, very end, I promise, of a long sermon series in Ephesians. Does anyone remember when we started studying Ephesians? It was September 22nd, 2002. So that was a year and four months ago, and we finally have uh, made it to the end of this series and uh, it, when at first I thought I was kind of crazy doing it this way. I thought, okay, I'm going to try this different way of preaching, going a lot slower through a book. And, and at first I was like, you know, how am I going to have enough to preach on? But now having completed the series, it, it's like I look back on it, and the problem was that I went too uh, slowly through the book. I feel like I went too fast through the book. I realize I'm the only one who feels that way, but... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's one of these things where, where, where I'm scheduled to preach on a verse, and I look at the verse, and I'm like, wow, there's so much there. I, I could preach three sermons on that verse. I have to condense it into one sermon. So, so I had a lot of that while I was preaching it. But here we are at the end, and it's been an incredible blessing for me in my own life. I, you know, whether you got anything out of it or not, to me it doesn't matter. I've gotten so much out of just... <laughs> 
digging into this. It's been an amazing journey. And if you've been blessed, well, that's just, you know, icing on the cake. Uh, a few people I'd like to just uh, recognize. Maybe you remember when I began this sermon series, I gave the Ephesians challenge. I said, anyone who can memorize Ephesians gets a steak and lobster dinner. So, and I was going to cook it for them. And I figured, you know, I might cook one or two. Uh, it looks like I'm cooking eight steak and lobster dinners. Eight people who memorized it. I memorized it just because I figured if I gave the challenge, I should probably meet the challenge myself. But uh, the, uh, the other people were, uh, let me see if I remember the names. Rindy Bennett, Tim Reed, Sue Reed, uh, Glenn Keith, Lori Aker, Nancy Lundquist, um, I'm missing two more, Janet Ells and Kathy Corcoran. So that was eight people. Is there any of them here today? Would you stand up? Stand up. Stand up. I, I know they didn't memorize it for recognition, but I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty big. We ought to just give them a, an attaboy. So what do we do? How do you conclude a series like this? I've been wrestling with this all week, trying to figure out, you know, how do I bring this to a close? And not even all week, for, for a couple months. How can I, you know, sort of end this, this sermon series? And I, I decided this morning I wanted to do something different. I wanted to try something that, frankly, I've never, ever done before. Uh, and it, so this isn't just, it's really unique. It's, it's something I've never done before in a sermon. So I'm going to try it and see how it goes. Uh, what I would like to do for you this morning is recite Ephesians for you. I'd like to just do the whole book. One big whack. Now, if you think about it, I know, before you head for the door, uh, if you think about it, <laughs> how did the early church get the content of Ephesians? Did Paul write Ephesians, you know, a little candle, you can see him in manuscript, he's writing it with a ink and quill, and then he rolls it up and gives it to a messenger, and the messenger runs from Rome over to Ephesus and the surrounding regions, and then what? Does the messenger hand it to the church secretary who photocopies it? Uh, Does Paul email it to the church, and then it gets forwarded out with an attachment? How did the church hear the letter? Anyone? That's right, it was read publicly. The messenger would come in and go, here's Paul's letter. And you read it. And, and he'd read the whole thing. And if you wanted a copy, well, that, that would take a lot of work. Because you'd have to sit down with another piece of parchment and, you know, one word, write it, write it. And that, that's how the things were transmitted in those days. So it was much more an oral culture. There, there weren't libraries and CD-ROMs and encyclopedias and the Internet. It was more an oral culture. And, and things were spoken orally. And, and that's how a lot of uh, teaching in community school like first century old school, and uh, go back and just kind of read it to you. Now, I realize that those of you ADD types are already starting to, you know, space out. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I have something that maybe will help you, I don't know. Uh, if you look in your sermon notes, take out this little insert. It's not really notes this Sunday. It's more sermon reflection tool rather than sermon note. It's not so much to convey information, but to... Uh, give you a framework for helping you listen to this thing. You'll notice on the front, there are six categories. Knowledge, faith, character, behavior, relationships, and calling. And the idea is, as I read through, or as, as I recite God's Word here, I want you to, to just kind of be listening. And if something kind of clicks in one of these categories that you want to jot down... You know, make a reference or make a note. Take your pencil and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I remember when I heard that four months ago, 
And I always wanted to remember that. And now, oh, there it is again. I need to, and so this is kind of be like your takeaway sheet from Ephesians to highlight some of the things that God really emphasized for you throughout the, the series. Um, so there's knowledge. What truths have I learned about God, Christ, salvation, the church, etc., that I would like to grasp further and integrate into my worldview and lifestyle? So maybe while you were studying Ephesians with us over the past year and four months, there was some truth that hit you like a ton of bricks. Wham! And you're like, whoa, I finally get that. But now you've kind of forgotten about it. And maybe as I'm uh, speaking Ephesians to you, that'll come back again. And what I want you to do is just take a pencil and jot that down. Or, or, you know, whatever. Then there's faith. In what ways has the Holy Spirit prompted me to trust and believe God more through Ephesians? Maybe there's an area of faith that God really taught you. Character. Did God pinpoint some parts of my character through this study that need some prayerful attention and growth? Now, if you're like me, I probably behaviors in my life that need to be changed in order to walk more closely with Him. Uh, for me, one of those is prayer. I, I was very much convicted by Paul's teaching on prayer that we just studied. And for me, that's one that, that stood out. I want to make more time for prayer in my life. Relationships. What have I learned through Ephesians about relationships that I want to implement? Uh, in particular, we spent a lot of time on marriage and child-rearing. And maybe there's some things from that that you really wanted to stick in your pocket and not lose hold of. And then calling. Has God called me to a new endeavor for him or in some way clarified a calling he's already given me? And maybe as you're hearing Ephesians, something's going to click and and it's going to click with something else you've read in the Bible and you want to turn there and flip around in your Bibles and start doing a little study. And and maybe you just stop listening to me. That's fine. I mean, it happens all the time. So, you know, just just do that and and go with that. Whatever it is that you're learning in Ephesians. Or or maybe if you're a real free-form person, if you look on the back, it just says notes. See that? Maybe you just want to go off on your own. Maybe something's going to hit you and you just want to put your head down and sort of tune out and pray and spend some time talking to God about something He's speaking to you in Ephesians. I don't know. So so use this as you will. This is just a little different. It's a little more free form. In a sense, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be speaking God's Word, and I guess what I'm doing is I'm asking you to preach to yourself. Preach a sermon to yourself, or a lot of sermons, or maybe things that God has been speaking to you throughout the last year and a quarter that that you would like to just mm, take home, work on, and then you kind of have it and you can go home and pray about it. So it's not just like, well, Ephesians is done, what's next? But you can ponder the things that God has taught you. Or put it all away and just sit and listen, whatever. Have the first century experience, however you want to do it. Well, let's try this. I have my prompter in the front here in case I choke which is highly likely. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins 
in accordance with the riches of God, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that you who are Gentiles by birth and called the circumcision, 
uh, uh, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built uh, upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service until the body of Christ is built up and we reach unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands so that he will have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think that's my own wife's cell phone. <laughs> Let's just jump forward to the wives' submit part, shall we? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Who was it? (laughs) Your dad, huh? Yeah, in-law troubles. Okay. What were we talking about? Jesus or something? All right. There we go. Yeah. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is... Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives... Just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, just as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let's pray. Lord God, we stand in awe before you. What an awesome God you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instructions in Ephesians. 
Thank you, Lord, for the great message of Ephesians that we are your children, that we have been brought near, that we've been forgiven. And then because of that, that we need to live holy lives. Lord, help us to know who we are and therefore how we should live. God, I thank you for the privilege of preaching through this book. I thank you for the privilege of calling me to this task. Lord, I thank you for the spiritual uh, growth and blessings that you've poured out on this congregation through your word and through Ephesians. Lord, I thank you that no matter how deeply you dig into the word, there's always treasures. Whether you look at it as a whole book or whether you look at simply a verse, there's rich treasures to be mined out. And so, Lord, I pray that as we've studied through this, you would build the faith of this congregation in the word of God, not the preacher, not the church, but in the Word. And that as people cling to the Word, they might cling to Christ and grow in Him. And so, Lord, bless us. Bless us through Your Word now. We've sought to follow You and follow Your Word. Help us to walk in the things that we've studied, not just to be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Lord, thank You for this time. We praise You in the name of Christ. Amen. Have a great week. Go in peace.